the Fantasy Football Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I'm Scott Allen. And I'm Des Beeler, still in somewhat of a state of disbelief that the Browns passed on Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. Not great to be a Browns fan. Not great to be a Jets fan either, which I am, but uh, I'd rather laugh at others' misfortune at the moment. Never great to be a Browns fan. Not great to be a 49ers fan at this point either. And it's an okay day to be a fantasy owner because, Des, for the first time in a few weeks, it seems like, and knocking on wood here because we still have a couple of games as we're recording this on this week's slate, but there didn't seem to be any major season-defining injuries uh, in Week 8. Yeah, no starting quarterbacks knocked out for the rest of the season, starting running backs, all that stuff, uh, some some nicks and bruises, and of course we saw Jordan Reed limping to the sidelines, but that doesn't really qualify as news anymore, so let's go ahead and go to the games. Least surprising injury update of the week. <laughs> let's start across the pond in London where the Vikings beat the Browns 33-16, to and in the process, Jarek McKinnon, I think, further established himself as the running back to own in that Vikings backfield, not for so much what he did rushing, uh, 14 carries for 15 yards, but 10 targets, 72 yards receiving, um, and a touchdown on the ground. He's got five catches per game in his last four. Are you on the same page here with McKinnon over Latavius Murray despite last week's big game going forward, Does? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, had came, I had come away with last week feeling like I still thought McKinnon was the guy there. That game seemed, I wouldn't necessarily say fluky, but I just felt like Murray's not going to do that more often than not. Um, that was against the Ravens, oddly enough, but um, I think they were just getting uh, Brandon Williams back. But yeah, I think we saw what we're mostly going to see going forward. And I think generally, you you know, the Browns, uh, for all their flaws, which are <laughs> numerous, have been pretty good against the run. And I think you can, maybe you can look at matchups for the Vikings. And when, when the other team has a pretty strong run defense, you can be pretty sure that McKinnon will get the ball in space, that the team will make an effort to, to get the ball out to him, and maybe Murray won't do so well. The other noteworthy thing from this game, uh, from my perspective, Adam Thielen finally getting into the end zone. He's been one of the most consistent kind of under-the-radar receivers this year. In six games, he has exactly five catches. In the other two, he has nine. But he finally scored uh, this week, and that's even with Stephon Diggs coming back. Diggs had a, a kind of quiet return from his ankle injury, four catches for 27 yards. They're usually neck-and-neck neck kind of on receiver rankings. For the rest of the year, do you prefer Thielen to Diggs or consider it pretty even? It's it's close. Uh, you know, I honestly, and I don't want to be captured at the moment here, but I think yeah. I might vote for Thielen only because Diggs, it's been shown in the past that when he's not absolutely 100%, he's just not the same guy. And I mean, you can say that of anybody, but he really, like, his, his performance drops off. Anytime he's at all on the injury list, his yeah. performance goes in the tank. And I think what you saw today was probably the best of all worlds for Adam Thielen. You saw Stephon Diggs not quite ready to be his full self, but since he's on the field, he's going to draw attention, and that can only help Thielen, who, as you mentioned, has really been a revelation this season. Very, very consistent. Let's move on to the Bills and the Raiders game. The Bills won 34-14 to behind another big day from LaShawn McCoy. 151 yards rushing. He also had six catches and a touchdown. And this revolving door of unowned, unknown Bills receivers catching touchdowns continued with Andre Holmes scoring <laughs> yep. the, the one touchdown grab from uh, Tyrod Taylor today. 
Yeah, I mean, we you know if we we just talked about Thielen being consistent. LaShawn McCoy is so consistent. Yeah. He, he's just gold in fantasy. The only question for him is just staying on the field. If he could just stay healthy, he's going to deliver week in, week out because he's the sole focus of his team that's very good at running the ball. Tyrod Taylor obviously presents a threat in the ground, which can only help a guy like LaShawn McCoy, who also gets a lot of passing targets, caught, had six catches for 22 yards. And, you know, their backup running back is Mike Tolbert, who got four carries and for 14 yards, which is about what you'd expect. So, yeah, I think the, the receivers for the Bills, it's going to be frustrating. I continue to hold out you hope. You know, know who I'm mention. you know who I'm going to mention. <laughs> Jordan Matthews, you know, he had four targets today. That's right up there with everybody else. <laughs> Holmes had four. Zay Jones had five. I still think he's going to emerge, maybe not as a – Nothing close to wide receiver one. I just think as somebody who's going to get his share of the work there because you look at what else is there and it's just not much. And for the Raiders, DeAndre Washington was the play if you were without Marshawn Lynch, who served his one-game suspension. Washington outperformed Jalen Richard. Um, did a lot out of the backfield catching the ball. Eight catches for 62 yards and a touchdown. His 10 targets were tied with Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. Is he worth owning even when Lynch returns? Yeah, he is. I would say I would say he is. I mean, not as a player you plan on starting as long as Lynch is around, but certainly in the event of the, the possibility of reshuffling there. And certainly in terms of J- Andre Washington versus Jalen Richard, and I, I got to take the L here because I've been pro Richard, feeling like he was the more explosive player, was the better guy to get catch passes. You know, we, we, we had the ultimate test here. Who was going to get the more work? Who was going to be more effective? And it clearly went to DeAndre Washington. I don't know if we if one game means that that's the way it would go every time, but certainly based on this sample, you have to give the nod to Washington. And I think he is worth owning in the event anything happens to Lynch. He pres- it looks like he would be the guy ahead of Jalen Richard, at least by a little bit. Let's move on to the Bengals and the Colts game. The Bengals won 24-23. to I think a lot of people thought this might be the game when Joe Mixon finally breaks out. I sound kind of like a broken record, or I feel like yep. I do. I think we've been waiting for this breakout for for weeks now. And it, it didn't really happen. I mean, he didn't do anything with his 11 carries. He did have three catches for 91 yards and almost took one to the house. But my favorite part about what came out of Mixon's performance today, I don't know if you caught what Le'Veon Bell tweeted at him during the game. Oh, was, he, was he, like, biting my style or something like that? Yeah, because Le'Veon <laughs> Bell's playing in the Sunday night game, so yeah. he had his Sunday free to watch <laughs> games and maybe track his fantasy football teams like us. But Mixon had said after last week's game when he got so few carries in a loss to the Steelers that, you know, I can, I can be just like Bell. I can do even more than, than Bell if you just give me a chance. Well, we're still waiting. Do yep. you think the breakout is coming, or are you giving up if you're a – Mixing on her. I mean, I'm I'm not giving up if I'm a mixing on. He's still he's still worth starting week in week out. He's get he's getting. I mean, the the competition if there ever was one is over in that backfield. I mean, Jeremy Hill is not getting much work. Giovanni Bernard even is not getting much work. Which which is a little bit surprising to me. And you know, if Mixon takes that, he had a 67 yard screen pass. I mean, if he if he gets those last three yards into the end zone, yeah. I think his day looks a lot different. Although you can't overlook the fact that, as you mentioned, he had 11 carries for only 18 yards against not exactly the league's toughest run defense at the Colts. So yeah, we're still definitely sort of waiting for that game where Mixon looks incredible. Maybe it won't ever happen, but the workload is definitely there. So I think he's he's clearly startable. He lost a fumble as well. Meanwhile, for the Colts, Jack Doyle was pretty much Indianapolis's only offense and huge day though. 12 catches for 121 yards and a touchdown. I feel like when I start him, he does nothing. Uh, when I bench him, he has days like this. Probably not going to expect too many more days like this, though, for the rest of the year. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Jacoby Brissett just seems locked on Jack Doyle. He loves him some Jack Doyle. And this isn't, you know, this isn't the first game. It's been a couple weeks ago we saw Doyle 
uh, catch, I think, 11 balls or something like that against the Titans. He had, you know, and he was pretty well targeted last week. So he's clearly emerged. And boy, is it, is it coming at the expense of T.Y. Hilton, who just doesn't, he did nothing again. You know, in the past three games, Hilton has 19 targets, which isn't terrible. It's just over over six per game. But he's only caught five for 61 yards, no touchdowns, and he's just getting lost out there. And it's getting, he's becoming really nearly impossible to start him. The Patriots beat the Chargers 21-13, to 13, 330 yards passing, and a touchdown to Rob Gronkowski for Tom Brady. And for the Chargers, Travis Benjamin, a touchdown catch. And Mr. Efficiency, your boy, Melvin Gordon. He actually was <laughs> efficient this week. 14 carries for 132 yards, a lot of them on one carry early in the game. Yes, quite a, quite a lot of them on one carry early in the <laughs> More game. More than half. But what stood out to you from this game? I mean, okay, well, since we're talking about Gordon, I mean, certainly that stood out in the sense of he—, he he was said to have, have a case of turf toe, which can be pretty debilitating for any NFL player, but particularly a running back. And I, I think there was some thought of, like, yeah, what are we going to see from Melvin Gordon? So when you, when you got that 87-yard touchdown run in the first quarter, you were, you were loving it, and the rest was kind of gravy from that point on. You know, I, I think, you know, we saw in some of these football games on the East Coast today uh, the weather playing a role, and I think this, this was another one of them. And Brady was unusually sort of lackluster. He threw a ton of passes and kind of racked up the yards, but, um, you know, only had one touchdown. And just yeah. generally the offense seemed to kind of sputter. And then, of course, we also saw the Patriots go to their well of running backs, and it's really a grab bag there. I think Deion Lewis didn't impress very much with, with he got the majority of the work and I think is being given a shot to carve out a role as the clear lead back there and I think based on today maybe that's not happening. Keenan Allen continues to get lost in that Chargers offense it seems four catches for 61 yards today for him is he a buy low candidate or are you shying away from trying to acquire a guy that a lot of people thought would be a wide receiver one? I think he's I think he's a buy low candidate for sure. If you can buy him low, absolutely, because he's he's a start worthy player every week. I mean, in the league, you know, I have a league where I have T.Y. Hilton and Pierre Garcon. I would love to buy low on Keenan Allen, a guy who's actually getting some yards and it has heavy involvement in the offense. So absolutely, I, I think he's still a good player. Still stands to get a pretty high target share the rest of the way, even with uh, Mike Williams uh, rejoining the the club in full health. It seems. A game that wasn't affected by the weather that you mentioned played in the Dome in New Orleans. The Saints beat the Bears 20-12. to And honestly, I'm surprised that there wasn't more offense, especially from the Saints in this game. Uh, Drew Brees approached 300 yards passing. No touchdowns, though. Uh, not a good day for him. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara each with a touchdown, but Ingram also lost two fumbles. Were you surprised there wasn't more offense Especially, we've talked about the Bears D at home, but yeah. a really impressive performance by them on the road in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it goes to the fact that the Bears uh, have a really good defense, and I think it also goes to the fact that the Saints now have a good enough defense. They're, they're much maligned defense. Certainly, it was awful last year, and at the start of this year, it looked like more of the same, and it's really come around a bit, although. You have to caveat that by saying they were playing against Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears, whose yes. offense not great. Jordan Howard had a really good game, got vultured for a one-yard touchdown by Tariq Cohen. So that's got to be super frustrating for for Howard owners. I think with Drew Brees, there's some level of worry here. You know, he's been he was held under 20 fantasy points for the fourth straight game. He's only had as much as 22 fantasy points in one game this season. Uh, according, uh, I saw on the internet, the internet that the Saints won a game without a Drew Brees touchdown pass for the first time since October fourth, two thousand nine. So, <laughs> you know that's how consistent he's been for this team and how much how reliant also they have been on the pass. But now they're not. You know they have this great running back tandem of Ingram right. and Kamara. I think it will be interesting to see what happens with Ingram after those two late fumbles, as you said, that could really have cost this team dearly. I don't think they're going to go away from him, but you know it may be just that little bit that gets Kamara on the field a little bit more. The Falcons beat the Jets in a downpour in New Jersey, 25-20. to Matt Ryan and 
Josh McCown putting up almost identical stat lines, about 250 yards passing and two touchdowns apiece. For the Falcons, I guess what stood out to me, and, and this isn't that crazy, but Tevin Coleman uh, outrushing Devontae Freeman, doubling him in, in total yards today. A quiet day for Julio Jones, 74 yards, but didn't find the end zone. Uh, Muhammad Sanu with a touchdown reception for the Falcons. Yeah, and as usual, the Falcons' approach with uh, with Julio Jones continues to be sort of perplexing. Like, for a lot of this game, uh, Jones was blanketed, actually, with pretty good coverage, man-on-man coverage, by Morris Claiborne. It's having a really nice season for the Jets, a former high draft pick for the, for the Cowboys. But then Claiborne went out with an injury, and you did see Jones catch a like a 54-yard pass after that. But they kind of they didn't really make a point of picking on the, on the coverage against Jones after that. It just seems like... They have these odd game plans, you know. I don't. I don't think this game is going to take the heat off of Steve Sarkeesian, even yeah. if even if the Falcons won it. They were basically unimpressive on offense again. It's only the second time this season Ryan's even thrown two touchdown passes at a game, and he has he had two in the other one. So, you know, he's he really has yet to break out. Uh, and again, it's probably worth mentioning that the weather was pretty lousy in this game, also though. It was. We saw what Jones can do in the red zone last week. Granted, it was kind of in garbage time against the Patriots, but he's such an obvious target. In there and, and today, I mean, not that Austin Hooper is a, a small guy. I mean, he's bigger than Julio Jones, but he got a couple of targets in the red zone, caught one, uh, and, and dropped another potential touchdown pass. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and when the if the Falcons are getting contributions from everywhere and the Hoopers and the Sanus of the world, I mean, Sanu did have a good game here, but it just seems odd when their offense sputters so much that they're not making a point of really focusing on, on getting Julio Jones the ball as much as possible. Uh, one other wide receiver note in, in this game was Robbie Anderson. He's been useful in four of the past six games, and I think he's really emerging from the pack there with the Jets. You know, for whatever that's worth, I think he's attained sort of wide receiver, incredible wide receiver three status. Another rain-soaked game in Philadelphia where the Eagles beat the 49ers 33-10. A decent day from Carson Wentz, only 211 yards passing. He threw two touchdowns, one of them to Alshon Jeffrey, um, uh, about a 50-yarder, I think, two catches for 62 yards on the day for Jeffrey. Yeah, that was a great play by Jeffrey. It was an incredible catch and an excellent job to keep his feet in and yep. get into the end zone. C.J. Beathard, meanwhile, continues to hold back guys like Pierre Garçon we talked about this last week but it doesn't seem to be getting any better and granted the weather was not good but when you look at Pierre Garçon two catches for 17 yards um, Carlos Hyde struggled in the running game 12 carries for 25 yards that 49ers offense most of those guys are, are going to be unusable it seems for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's really a shame that Pierre Garçon is not getting heavily targeted. He's got that role, in theory, in the Kyle Shanahan offense. Beathard just seems, he's a rookie, you know, he wasn't like a, a high-pick rookie either. And, uh, you know, it's not all his fault because the uh, the 49ers were missing their best offensive tackle in Joe Staley, and they were just under assault by a very talented Eagles defensive line. Uh, you know, Beathard didn't have a lot of time to throw back there. So I don't think he's always going to have those kind of problems, although the Niners' schedule the rest of the way certainly presents some, some other defense that's going to be problematic. You know, I think Carlos Hyde versus Matt Breida had the better game in this one. I mean, we'll see what happens. The trade deadline's coming up. Maybe they move Hyde. Maybe they were they were trying to showcase him. If so, obviously Breida takes a, a huge leap in value. Otherwise, I think this is not something to, to expect going forward that Breida usually will not, you know, he usually will not have a better game than Carlos Hyde. There is beautiful weather in the uh, Panthers' 17-13 to win over the Bucks, so Jameis Winston can't blame his awful performance on that. He's so confounding. I mean, last week, over 380 yards passing and uh, three touchdowns. Today, 210 yards, two interceptions, a fumble lost. Cam Newton wasn't that much better, only 154 yards. He threw one touchdown and one interception. 
Des, I ask you, between these two, who would you rather own for the remainder of the year? And, and what do you make of, of Winston today? Winston was terrible. <laughs> I'll take that one first. You know, he's, he's, been a, uh, he's been a pretty sizable disappointment this year. I think a lot of people were expecting him to take a, a major leap forward, and it just doesn't seem to be happening. He was w- way off base with his throws. You know, he, it's, it's odd because it looks like he can, knows how to run an offense. It looks like he knows how to go through his reads and he can command a huddle and he has sort of the ancillary attributes, but then he just makes these really off-base off throws and also makes these really weird decisions under duress. He had another fumble today where he was sort of trying to pitch the ball as, as he was being tackled. It was a terrible decision. I would rather have Cam Newton the rest of the way for sure. Much longer track record, and Cam's been getting it done on the ground. He once again led the Panthers in rushing with 44 yards now. That says a lot more about the Panthers' run, running game than... Newton's own talents, but you're, you're getting that base of rushing yards from him, and I think he, he may, I don't know if he's got a better cast to work with, but you know, I, I would take Cam Newton over Jameis at this point. And Kelvin Benjamin, I mean, he kind of salvaged a quiet day with a late touchdown catch, but only three touchdown catches for him. Christian McCaffrey, who uh, not a disappointment necessarily as a rookie, I mean, he continues to do, all his points continue to come through the passing game. Five catches uh, for McCaffrey, and then yep. for the Bucks, I mean, Doug Martin, the, the 75, 71 yards rushing, and, and Cameron Braid after we saw O.J. Howard with those two touchdowns, and I wondered whether it would continue. You said it wouldn't, and you were right. <laughs> O.J. Right Howard did nothing today. Yeah, you know, I think we were reminded again that Cameron Braid is firmly ahead of uh, O.J. Howard on the in terms of the pass-catching tight ends there and ahead of just about everybody. I mean, he, he looks like he's Jameis Winston's favorite target in, in a lot of ways, although Mike Evans did have 10 targets today, 5 for 60, so not bad game for him, but... You know, I think, yeah, with O.J. Howard, it's going to be really hard to start him because you just never know when those huge games are going to come. On the other side of the ball, I'm a little worried about Devin Funches. He was held under 50 yards receiving uh, for the third time in, in three games. And he just seems like, you know, when Greg Olson went out with an injury, it seemed like he would he would be the main beneficiary of it. And it seemed like that yeah. initially, but it's sort of wearing off as these games go by. And, of course, Olsen it's, should be back, actually, in, in Week 12, I think. And this next game presents us our most difficult task of the night. We're here to hopefully provide one or two takeaways per team. But to narrow this fantasy points, Bonanza in Seattle, a, a 41-38 to 38 Seahawks win over the Texans. Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, both over 400 yards passing. Four touchdowns for Wilson in a comeback win. Where do you want to start, Des? You got to start with, so with you got to start with Watson, I think, because it's just amazing. Like this was such a test for him. It's like, okay, you know, you've done really well. He already was the first uh, rookie quarterback in NFL history to have three or more touchdown passes yeah. in three consecutive games. But okay, now you're going to Seattle. I think they were they were coming out of their bye week, so they I mean they had time to game plan. But to me, this was a huge test for him. You know, you go to Seattle. What are you going to do? And what does he do? I mean, he just absolutely lights them up. Uh, according to the Texans PR staff, he became the first quarterback in NFL history, rookie or not, first quarterback ever with 400 or more passing yards, four passing touchdowns, and 55 or more rushing yards. I mean, he got it done in every which way. He's obviously the first rookie to throw three-plus touchdowns in four consecutive games since he was the first to do it in three consecutive games. And at this point, like, there's absolutely no scenario in which you would not trot him out with extreme confidence. Right. And, and for the Texans, DeAndre Hopkins, eight catches for 224 yards and a touchdown, which I think is more fantasy points than he had all of last year. <laughs> I swear I'm not bitter for, <laughs> right. for drafting him on every team. And then Will Fuller is uh, 
catch-to-touchdown ratio actually increased with <laughs> five catches, only two touchdowns. You've said it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. <laughs> is it still? I mean, this yes. guy, five catches for 125 yards and two touchdowns. I know. It's it's mind-boggling. It's, at one point, he was uh, he was up to seven touchdowns on 11 <laughs> right. catches, and he, he added two more catches, so now he's at seven touchdowns on 13 catches. It's patently unsustainable. <laughs> at least this time, he added like a bunch of receiving yardage. Like He's had these yeah. weird games where he's caught like two catches for 40 yards and one or two touchdowns. So, you know, he's clearly being involved more in the, in the, in the and who would have thought this game would have turned into such a score of Palooza, but I promise you it's not sustainable. And I would, I would say that Will Fuller, if you can sell high, I mean, if you can get something really good for him would be a good sell high because this, this just can't continue. It can't, it won't. And it, who would have thought that two Seahawks receivers would go over 100 yards and neither of them would be Doug Baldwin. Yeah. You know, we, it, it it, there's been some interest in the sort of Tyler Lockett versus Paul Richardson battle for number two status on the team, and I think nothing was decided here, but they both had really good games. I think Paul Richardson has generally had the edge this season, and he continues to in this game because he, he got in the end zone twice, whereas Tyler Lockett, I think, has yet to score on the season. And, and Richardson now has five touchdowns on the season, which you know I guess Will Fuller would, would scoff at, but I don't think anybody else would. <laughs> so you know, I think Richardson is pushing himself into uh, wide, wide receiver three contention as well. Back on the East Coast and the other Washington, or Landover as it were, the Cowboys beat the Redskins 33-19 to in a downpour. And not a ton of fantasy points for anyone besides Ezekiel Elliott in this game, especially for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott, fewer than 150 yards passing, no touchdowns. But Elliott, if this was his last game for a while, it was a big one. 150 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. And then on the opposite side of the ball, Kirk Cousins, 263 yards and a touchdown. It was The touchdown was Josh Doxson's only catch of the game. But a breakout performance from a Redskins receiver that we haven't heard from much this year, Des. Yeah, Jamison Crowder uh, was targeted 13 times, caught nine of them for 123 yards. It sure looked like, you know, we're going to have to see going forward, but it sure looked like the Redskins maybe have picked on him as their top wide receiver. You know, maybe they're just tired of, oh, is it Josh Doxson? It's certainly not Terrell Pryor at this point. We saw, as we mentioned earlier, we saw Jordan Reed limp to the sidelines with a yep. hamstring injury, didn't come back. So they were kind of shorthanded. But I, I, you know, I think we may have seen something, the sign of something to come here with Crowder, where the team has decided, you know what, let's try to really make a focus of getting him the ball. Although you have to caveat that by saying we don't know what exactly that would look like if, if a fully Jordan, healthy Jordan Reed were on the on the field as well, because they would kind of get in each other's way in the middle of the field a little bit. Right. You mentioned Pryor; he had zero catches today. I think he was only targeted once. Uh, Doxson was targeted a couple times. One of them, or three times actually, had a drop that would have been somewhat of a difficult catch. It was a drop in a key spot. Um, his next target led to a pass interference penalty. They gave him the ball at the one, and then he caught a one-yard touchdown. So he was quiet until really late. If you're a Jameson Crowder owner and you were patient, this has got to give you hope going forward. I don't know that there are many people still starting Crowder this time of year. Not, not this week, but there will be a lot more next week because he's probably on a fair amount of rosters just in terms of the – you know the the vibe he had coming into this season. So you know, I think I think he'll get some starts going forward. And as for Terrell Pryor, I mean, he I think he's outright droppable. I don't know why you would feel like you'd want to keep him on your roster at this point. Yeah. He's not getting on the field, and when he does get on the field, he's not getting targets. There's just nothing to like there. Yep, I did that. I pulled the plug in a couple of leagues that I had Pryor in last week. Let's close with the Thursday game. Kind of a dud. The Ravens pounded the Dolphins forty to nothing. Um, Alex Collins offensively for the Ravens. We've talked about Alex Collins and Buck Allen. Which one to own? Should you own either? Should you own both all year? And at least on Thursday night, Collins looked like the better back. Over 100 yards. Um, he had 18 carries to Buck Allen's 17. 
what else stood out to you, if anything, from this game? <laughs> Not a lot else besides <laughs> Alex Collins. He, he was really the show there. I mean, you, you know, you saw some good things from Jeremy Macklin. He had 53 yards and a touchdown, almost all of that coming on, on one play, which was a really nice throw by Joe Flacco. It was just sort of a reminder that Flacco has been known to throw a pretty nice deep ball in the past, and it's not out of the question that this Baltimore passing attack will sort of get its act together. They were missing Mike Wallace in this game with a concussion. It was kind of a short week. I think Wallace will be back next week. You know, if they could put a healthy Macklin, Wallace, whatever the heck they can get out of Rashad Perryman, Nick Boyle had some nice moments. I'm just saying, you know, you're not going to start many of these guys anytime soon, but I think the elements are there for possibly something better from the Baltimore offense, maybe for the second half of the season, they could be kind of a surprise offense, especially with Alex Collins running the way he has. Great. With that, a reminder to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You should check out all of our great fantasy football content on WashingtonPost.com. And as always, you can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Scott S. Allen. I'm at Des Beeler. Get those waiver claims in. See ya. See ya.